Hello and welcome to another episode of Galactic Chat. I'm David McDonald and today I'm talking to Alan Baxter. Alan Baxter is a multi-award winning author of horror, supernatural thrillers and dark fantasy liberally mixed with crime, mystery and noir. He's also a martial arts expert, a whiskey-soaked swear monkey and a dog lover. He creates dark weird stories among dairy paddock, paddocks on the beautiful south coast of New South Wales, Australia, where he lives with his wife, son and hound. Welcome to the show, Alan. Hi, thanks for having me. No worries. Well, let's just say, uh, yes, last year was an interesting year for every everybody. Um, so for those uh, overseas who are listening, Australia uh, came through, well, we're not through it, but Australia has been fairly fortunate with coronavirus. We've had low cases, but we have had states locking down and a bit of a restriction on interstate travel and just life in general coming to a shuddering halt from time to time. So... Alan, for you, where, where you are, how, how has coronavirus sort of impacted the way you go about being a writer these days? Um, it's been interesting, to say the least. No, that's true. We, when, when things first kicked in, sort of around March last year, um, a lot of the writing had to suddenly take a back seat because my, my other job is I run a martial arts academy. Uh, so that got, that got shut down. Um, with all the restrictions that dropped into place. So that obviously greatly affected suddenly our work life and our income and everything. So we took a, a big chunk of time where basically we, we were suddenly homeschooling our son and trying to figure out how to run the school sort of as an online endeavor. So that took a lot. So writing took a big hit at that point. Um, and then there's just the general sort of concerns about what was going on in the world made made focus difficult. So I actually, in the first part of the pandemic and the hardest part of the lockdown, I ended up writing a book for my son. So rather than, I couldn't really concentrate on any of the big projects that I had going on. And uh, I was busily trying to learn how to teach Kung Fu over Zoom and all those sorts of things. So, and I'd been putting off, I had this sort of fantasy novel idea, this like middle grade novel that I wanted to write just as something purely for my son that he could read and enjoy. So I just decided, well, screw it, I'm going to do that because I can't concentrate on anything else. And if this pandemic is teaching us anything, it's maybe we shouldn't take things for granted or put things off. Uh, so, so I did that. Then, as, as as you said, Australia started doing a bit better in terms, you know, thanks to the state premiers, certainly not the prime minister, we actually managed to start coming through it a bit better and uh, managed to start doing in-person classes again with good with restrictions and distancing and stuff in place. So then my writing life started taking on a more normal um, sort of schedule again, started getting back to more how things normally are. Well, ever since I, I've, I've sort of been aware of you and known you, you've been um, very good at using social media, um, uh, you, know, to, you know, to promote your work and get out there. Has, 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 did that help you with, with, the, with keeping going through the with the, the community side of writing and all that sort of thing yeah definitely definitely i really enjoy social media and i think that's um i think that's part of it uh, one of the reasons that we uh weren't hugely affected personally and directly other than what i've just been talking about with coronavirus uh, is that we live in the country so you know we live among dairy paddocks and there's lots of space around so even during lockdown I could go out with my son on our bicycles and take a ride down the lane and ride a few k's off across paddocks and stuff and get exercise and not see another soul. 
So that's great, especially compared to people who are sort of struggling through a pandemic in the city and in, you know, in apartments or whatever else. It's a very different experience. But it also means that we are a little bit more isolated from things. So I tend to really enjoy social media just for that, apart from anything else, that interaction that we get. And I also sort of turned it to advantage a bit with like one of my most successful stories turns out to be this nonsense thing I made up as a Twitter thread about uh, teaching Kung Fu on Zoom and it uh, uh, ended up being one of the weird stories that I use social media to tell sometimes and that sort of went a bit viral and stuff. So I, ju I just really enjoy the interactions through social media. I love the, the way we can communicate with people everywhere from our own little spaces especially during a pandemic, it's proven to be an absolute godsend, I think. Yeah, I've, I've definitely seen a bit of a move, um, well, obviously out of necessity towards uh, more virtual con um, type stuff, which obviously has helped keep the community going. Um, now, you, you've been part of at least one of those, is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, I was part of, I was part of one uh, called Inconceivable that uh, happened towards the end of last year. Uh, to be honest, I think that's where... Um, social media and online life just doesn't really manage to like pick up the slack. It definitely helps. It's really good to see people trying to do stuff online and keep community alive. But I have also seen a lot of things suffer for it. Worldcon was not good. Um, it, it's a difficult thing to sort of, because you want people to do things and you want people to stay in touch but when it comes to conventions like 90% of the reason for conventions is that it gives people a place to go and be together physically so while you can sort of replicate that online you replicate the interaction to some degree but you obviously can't replicate that in-person interaction where you all hang around and meet new people and do things it, it's it's proving as far as I can tell kind of impossible to do that with an online version so i think it's i think it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword on that front i'm glad it's happening and i'm glad to have been involved in a couple of things but i think it's just basically a, a placeholder it's a it's a temporary thing that means that there's something rather than nothing but it's uh, it's definitely no replacement for in-person stuff so i am looking forward to the time when these things you know things start to settle down and we can do that stuff in person again because yeah, I, convention going is, is great fun. I love the opportunity to get out and meet people and hang out and do things. So. Well, especially, I think, in a, in a country like Australia, I mean, you know, being out in the country, but even in the city, we don't have the same sort of concentration of writers that you would mm. probably find overseas. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean, with with a convention, 80, maybe even 90% of the con happens outside the panels. And I've been interested just watching how, you know, do you go like do you go to an event just to go to the panels? Um, but you don't have that that bar con type feel where you've got people mixing randomly and meeting new people mm. and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, the virtual cons do a great job of um, giving people an opportunity to see things and listen to things and do the the panel things. And I'm I'm really glad that 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 exists, especially at the moment when all the other options have been taken away. And it would be good to see that continue. It would be good to see online Zoom events continue well past the pandemic. Um, we've been talking with the AHWA about something along those lines, trying to, to put something together, because the opportunity is there to have very accessible panels or discussions or presentations or whatever, where any distance or people's abilities or anything like that are 
null and void. If you can get in front of a computer, you can you can be part of it. You can see the panel. You can be involved, which is great. But that's the panels, which, as you just say, are actually a very small percent of a convention. So I'm I'm glad they exist for that that panel thing or that group discussion or whatever to occur. But it yeah, that's that's not gonna really replace the real beauty of of the convention and the ability to sort of hang out and mix with people. Now, you mentioned the AHWA there, which is the Australian Horror Writers Association. Um, Australasian. Australian, sorry, my, my apologies. That's that's uh, that's how much I've been out of it over the past year, I guess. Um, but the yeah, the, the, the uh, you've been recently taken the position of president, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. The um, yeah, I uh, I question the decision almost daily. The the, the AHW it started as the Australian Horror Writers Association. Association, you're right. Marty Young, um, a great a horror writer and a great um, advocate of the genre. Uh, he set it up a long time ago initially, uh, sort of not a chapter of the HWA, but sort of to run alongside as a particularly Australian uh, sort of version that because we are as removed as you mentioned before. And it's grown and it's introduced the Australian Shadows Awards, which have become fantastic. And it's got a it's got a big membership and a big following. And it, we opened it up to make sure that it included New Zealand and Oceania. So that's why it, a little while ago, about two or three years ago, it was changed from Australian to Australasian to in, to include mainly New Zealand, but also uh, like you know PNG and other Oceania sort of places can come under the umbrella. Um, and then yes, recently the the last uh, president Greg Chapman stepped down from the committee, uh, and I'd been vice president for the previous year, uh, and so I thought you know maybe it was time I took a turn at the helm and tried to give back as much as I can to this genre that's done so well by me and see what I can do to build the AHWA up a bit for a little while before uh, before I step down and let somebody else take over. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's a, it's a good association. It's good fun. We do a lot of good for writers and a lot of opportunity for the promotion of horror, particularly Antipodean horror, which is uh, not, not well enough recognised around the world as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, certainly uh, it's gone through some different phases um i know that that's actually where we first came in contact was through one of their writers group and uh, I, I did one of the mentor programs which i found incredibly incredibly mm. useful with uh jason fisher who's a who's a great australian writer as well yeah. um so obviously you know there's been been lulls in membership and, and growth and and it's been great to see that connection building with our new, new zealand writers because there is a really good sort of bond between the two the two groups there well, what is, is yeah what do you sort of see as your your focus as as, as the president over the next next year or, or however long you have have left? Um, well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how long I'll stay in the role. I'll 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 try to sort of stick around for a few years um, if professional life and everything else allowing to give us a chance to sort of have a fairly cohesive committee for a while and see what we can build. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just I'm really keen to this, and it's the Australasian Horror Writers Association. So it's really very much an association for the benefit of horror writers. And the two sort of primary programs, if you like, the two primary things that we run are the Australian Shadows Awards and Midnight Echo magazine. So I want to make sure that those things continue and, with any luck, get stronger. And hopefully, we can start paying more for stories in Midnight Echo and maybe even start producing the magazine a bit more frequently. But I also want to look at what other programs we can do to 
to benefit writers. We've reinvigorated the Sinister Read blog with Marty Young's help, so that's giving opportunity for uh, reviews and news and stuff to get to get out there some more. The mentor program is still ongoing, which is a really valuable program that's been going for a while. So we want to keep that going from strength to strength um, and see what other things we can do. And like, like I mentioned before, we, we are talking about the potential to start hosting sort of a monthly or something like that Zoom showcase, if you like, for Australian horror writers where people from anywhere in the world can come along and listen in on a panel discussion between, you know, a hosted discussion with a few Australian writers and each time people can get introduced to new Australian and New Zealand and Oceania horror writers and hopefully start benefiting writers and spreading spreading their work a bit wider afield. Well, I mean, the the lockdown period and has been good in one way. I know I've got more reading done and I, I'm, I read a lot. I read a couple of books a week, but uh, I've got even more reading done in my enforced exile. Have you come across any new authors or, or people that you want to want to give a plug to? Um, oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, yeah, I do. I'm the same as you. I tend to sort of consume a couple of books a week usually. And uh, um, I've, I've been... I went through a phase, I was, as a young person, I was massively into the big fat fantasies. I would love the big trilogies and read huge amounts of fantasy. And I kind of got off the boil on that for a while, but I've, I've been getting back into enjoying uh, big fantasies again. Uh, and I've been absolutely loving Fonda Lee's um, series. Jade City, I can't remember what the series is called. The, oh, the Greenbone Saga it's called. Jade City is the first one. Jade War is the second one. I've just finished, recently finished Jade War. Uh, and the third one in the trilogy is Jade Legacy that comes out sometime later this year, which I can't wait for. That's, that's just fantastic. I love that. It's really, I mean, it's right up my alley because it's like sort of a fantasy version of the old Shaw Brothers movies, but with magic. So yeah, you, can, you can imagine how much fun it is. Uh, she does a really great job with that. Um, I discovered Laurel Hightower recently. She's an uh, American horror writer and she does really interesting things. Um, there's also uh, Jack Heath, who's an Australian writer. He, he writes thrillers, but they're, because they're sort of published in the mainstream press. Uh, I can't remember who his publisher is, Patrick Millen or one of those. Uh, but they're horror novels, even though, you know, they're marketed as thrillers because the market, the way it is, uh, that he's got this, basically he's got, you know, the uh, protagonist of his thrillers is a cannibal. So you, you can't really get past the fact that they're fundamentally horror novels. Uh, and I hadn't read them before, but I've recently been picking those up and I've been enjoying those a lot. They're just absolutely bonkers. They're, they're really good fun. Oh, and I'll tell you another one I just read recently that I really enjoyed as well was Kathleen Jennings. Another great Australian author. She's got a novella out called Fly Away, which is just, it's basically Australian Gothic. It's fantastic. Well, you've just given me a heap to add to my own reading list. So that's that's a that's a win for the interview anyway. But we'll whack those in the show Excellent. notes for people to follow up as well. Look, um, before I get, get on to what you've been doing lately in terms of your own writing, um, mm. there's one, one resource that you did put out. Uh, and I know it's quite a long time ago, so sorry to bring up an old book but one that I point new writers to all the time, which was writing the fight, right? Now, you're a, you're a martial arts instructor, um, and one of the, you, know, you know better than anyone, one of the things you see in a lot of writing is people having some very unrealistic action, um, you know, people mm. taking hits that wouldn't be possible and all that sort of stuff. So um, just for any new writers listening, do you want to just give a quick rundown on that, on that book? 
Yeah, well, it's, it's a funny process, really. It started because I don't even know how long ago now, more than a decade ago, uh, I was asked if I could run a workshop at one of the conventions. I think it was Canberra. I think it was Conflux. And they asked if I could run run a convention on writing good fight scenes because they're like, you know, your your books and stories always have great fight scenes because you understand fighting. Can you do a workshop on it? So I said, yeah, I guess so. Why not? Okay. So I start, I put something together for that. Uh, that turned out to be pretty popular and I ended up doing that workshop a few times. I did it at Worldcon um, to a room full of people back in 2010 in Melbourne. Um, and it, it became a, a popular workshop that I got asked to do again. I mean, in fact, I'm going down to Melbourne next month to do it again for, for Writers Victoria. Um, but every time I did the workshop, people I would always give notes with the workshop and there's slides and whatever, and people would make their own notes. But they would always say, you know, oh, is, this, is there something I can read to follow up on this? So basically, people asked often enough that I ended up turning the content of the workshop into, it, it's basically uh, a very long essay, more than a full book. It's, so it's, um, but it's, it's just available as an ebook everywhere, you know, like Amazon or whatever. You can just look up, write the fight right. And it's, it basically sort of showcases all the points that I talk about in the workshop about things that we can use in when we're writing fight scenes, because people usually transpose what they're used to seeing in the movies when they don't really know fighting and in the movies it can work in the movies because it's a visual medium but it's very unrealistic where with, with writing we have all the emotional context all, all the all the different senses that we can use and all that sort of stuff so that's what the book goes through talking about adrenaline talking about the realities of knockouts talking about how things like taste and smell and whatever when we're fighting as well as what you might see on a screen and and it and hopefully it gives people lots of lots of sort of surrounding information and lots of insight into what fighting's really like to make their fight scenes when they write them a lot more interesting and a few tips on how to make it sort of fast and powerful in writing rather than sluggish often one of the biggest problems is people want to put so much detail in that what should be the most sort of fast and visceral part of the book often ends up being the slowest so it's a bit of a contradiction so yeah it just tries to address all of those things so it's just a short ebook that's available and hopefully uh, it helps people out people seem to like it it does seem does seem to get a lot of love well it's one of those things where people you don't want people to have experience in necessarily being in a fight but you can definitely it's one of those things where you can read it and go this person never has been so uh, i just I, yeah. so, as someone who loves uh the the sort of well obviously specfic, but who loves the, the action genre. Um, I just thought it was a great resource for, for writers. So I thought I'd, I'd flag it quickly before we moved on to mm. some, some of your newer stuff. So thank you for that. Um, no, so I, I, I was just noticing that one, one of the things that you have been uh, had out, uh, well, obviously late last year is the gulp, which love the name. So do you want to tell oh, our listeners you. a little bit about the gulp? Yeah, sure. Actually this year it came out in January, it came out, uh, second week of January, so yeah, technically it's a 2021 release. It's um, well, you can tell this is my my first interview <laughs> for a while, so I'm sorry about that. That's all right. That's all right. It's um, in some ways uh, the Gulp ended up being a little bit of a pandemic project as well. It's yeah, we have to go back a bit further. So just to um, sort of explain, back at the start of last year, back at the start of 2020. I ended up putting out a crazy, just gonzo splatterpunk novella called The Rue, which was just about a, a demonic kangaroo that decimates an outback town. And it was all a, a bit of a gag, but it just kind of went gangbusters, that book. People really enjoyed it. 
which is fantastic. Uh, I couldn't be happier. It's, it's been really good fun to watch. But it made me um, realise how much people wanted those genuinely Australian stories, and especially not just Australians, but a lot of people overseas, a lot of Americans in particular were like, oh, this is so great. I love this Australian story. It's, you know, we're used to reading American stories. It's great. And for a long time, I'd had in mind that I wanted to sort of start writing some stories set in a fictional Australian town. Um, and I'd never really got around to it. And I wasn't sure, you know, how sort of commercial it might be or how interested readers might be in it. And I had other projects going on. And once the first hard part of the shutdowns and pandemic and stuff had started to ease a little bit, I got to thinking about what to work on next. And given the way the Rue had been so successful and given that I really wanted to create this fictional town of Goldpepper, which the locals call the Gulp because it has a habit of swallowing people. It was just, I can, I, I was like, well, maybe I'll do that because it's a series. So the, the first book, the Gulp is a collection of five novellas. So they're interconnected, repeating characters. They do sort of tie together. So it's sort of a mosaic novel, uh, even though each of the five stories stands alone. Uh, but it also meant that with the ongoing pandemic and everything else, I didn't have to try to get my head into holding onto a full length novel narrative, which I was feeling a bit too distracted to do. I could focus on these smaller stories. Uh, so so that's what I did. I put those together and then that came out in, in January. And so far, it seems like people are really enjoying it. People are, you know, people are saying things like I found my castle rock. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so which which is great because that whole sort of weird, creepy town vibe is what I'm really into. And I live in an isolate, well, not especially isolated, but I live near a, a harbour town and I've spent a lot of time traveling further down the coast and visiting more isolated places. And I just love that vibe. So, so that's what I did. I created this town and set these stories here. And now hopefully I can just build on that mythology and I can write more stories set in the same town and explore more weird creepiness. That's the plan. Well, it's, it's interesting how, how you talk about um, people um, comparing it to, to Castle Rock. Um, Cause I mean, Stephen King is obviously a writer who's very, very famous for his sense of place. Um, yeah. Right. You know, when, when he writes, he's essentially writing Maine, even when he's not writing Maine. Uh, yeah. And it's something you, you sort of miss. You don't, you don't see a lot of Australian stuff. I don't know whether it was that has that same sort of thing. I don't know whether it's cause we're targeting a, an overseas market, but I, I think there's a big, a big place for it that people want to read that. They want to get that, that sense of Australia, um, and that's maybe a point of difference for us when we're writing. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly it. I mean, when when it came, when the Rue was popular and it was this set in this tiny tin box little outback town, place for me is really important. So that location was really important. Um, and people seem to really vibe on that. Um, and I wrote a novel a few years ago called Hidden City where really the protagonist is the city. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy sort of horror fantasy about a sentient city that gets sick. Um, but I, I, that was a fictional American city sort of writing a little bit, thinking of that broader audience. Um, and it was in some ways it was a, a bit of an American story, potentially. I don't know. But it's very I love place as character. I think it's really important. And I've very much over the last few years decided that, you know, what, I am going to embrace that Australian angle because people do like it. Things like the Rue and other stuff have proven that people really respond to it. So it's like, well, I'm going to just lean hard into 
what I love and what I know, which is that that very truly Australian sense of place. And I love that sort of slightly isolated because I've written a lot about cities over the years, lots of different things set in cities. And I want to get more into that sort of small town vibe. Um, and as you say, like with King, with with writing about Derry or Castle Rock, he, he does that. And other people do a lot of Ramsey Campbell stuff is set, you know, in Liverpool, which is obviously a big city, but it's very much about a sense of place. It's, you know, you know, that's where that's from. So, yeah, I, I want I want place as character in this case, and uh, it's going to be unashamedly Australian. So <laughs> I think and so far, people seem to really enjoy that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think when I was writing earlier in my in my, in my life, um, I was almost places were generic, like the setting. Really, but when I think about the, the stuff that I've enjoyed the most over the years, it's a place where where you really do take a really hard stand on, on, on the place. I mean, I've just finished rereading all the Travis McGee novels and not that I'm ever going to write anything as good as, as John D. MacDonald, but I mean, Florida is the, is the place, you know, um, mm. and, and as we said, Stephen King. So I, I think it's great. It's great um, to hear, you know, that taking a stand on where this is set and making that, making that almost the, the other main character of the, of the story. Yeah, well, I mean, my first novel was set in the city and it was deliberately not named. And so, you know, you could read it and consider it was Sydney or London or New York or whatever. And and that was a conscious choice. Um, so uh, it's kind of come full circle from that now. I then started either creating fictional cities that I did name or like Devouring Dark is set in London. That's very much a London crime novel. And, you know, being English and born and grew up there before I became Australian, I've got a, a sort of strong sense of place for that as well and I'd always wanted to write the London crime novel that I did with Devouring Dark uh, and it's kind of been this process that's led me to go you know, yeah now now I'm going to embrace the Australian so yeah I'm enjoying it and hopefully I'll stay there for a while. Now um, obviously you're always keeping busy with writing are you working on anything at the moment that you're willing to hint about or? <laughs> Um, yeah, there, there's always there's always stuff going on. Um, I've got uh, a novel out on submission at the moment, and I'm currently trying to beat panel beat uh, a new novel into shape, which is proving difficult at this stage. Um, but I've so it's kind of fortunate that at this stage I've put that aside because uh, I do a fair bit of co-writing with David Wood. We write sort of action adventure and monster thrillers and stuff like that together, um, and we're currently working on the third Sam Aston book. Um, so that's the immediate project at the moment. I'm right in the middle of, of working on that with Dave. Uh, and then I will go back to this other standalone novel um, and see if I can figure out how to make that work after I get the new Sam Aston book uh, finished and sent back to Dave. So um, I'm in a position at the moment where the gulp has just come out, but I don't have anything sort of lined up to come out um sort of scheduled so it's a bit of a weird place to be normally i've sort of i'm working on one thing and then the previous thing or the previous things are sort of scheduled to move along but uh, the third sam aston book will be out sometime this year but beyond that i'm not sure but i yes uh, projects are being worked upon and notes are being made for more stories set in the gulf as well so that will uh, that will start to happen at some point this year probably as well so um you're talking about how you're going to be at writers victoria uh, coming up soon where are some of the other places mm. that people can catch up with you or, or hear what you're doing or get to hear a bit more about the gulp sure well the um 
the Writers Victoria workshop is on March 6th. That's the Write the Fight Right one. So I think there might still be one or two places in that worth checking. But that's the only sort of in-person event I've got listed at the moment. There are a few other things that are, are being talked about, and hopefully we will start getting to more in-person stuff. Um, hopefully this year, before the year gets too old, it'd be nice to start getting around again if we can stay on top of this pandemic. Australia's doing very well on that front, so fingers crossed. But uh, otherwise, um, you can find my website at alanbaxter.com.au um, and find anything out you need to know there. And I'm, I spend way too much time on Twitter. So uh, you can find me at Alan Baxter on Twitter and we can always have a chat there because uh, I love Twitter. I think it's a fantastic uh, website. You just have to very much curate your feed to get rid of the trolls. But <laughs> but uh, I get a lot of value from Twitter. So people can always find me there. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's been really great having you. Um, hopefully we'll have you back later in the year to give us a bit of an update once uh, things change. But it sounds like you've, you've, certainly, <laughs> you've certainly been keeping busy and uh, looking forward to reading the gulp yeah well thanks very much yeah I'd be happy to come back and chat again so uh, yes if, if nothing else I, I keep myself busy there <laughs> that does seem to be a standard <laughs>